First John this morning, First John chapter five, uh, last few verses of this book of First John, and <clears throat> it's a powerful book written by John uh, in his later years, and he has this a uh, uh, he's dealing with the issue of um, <clears throat> a people that 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 are questioning the reality of the, the the physical reality of Jesus Christ, and he's going after it, but you know. Really what he does is he takes and he exhorts us again and again and again. And in his closing remarks, they're not like many of the other epistles. They're, they're, um, he doesn't send greetings like Paul does to all the people that are around. Uh, in his closing remarks, he has some uh, powerful uh, knowledge, understanding, and help for us. And then he closes in the strangest way. He says, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. Imagine, after all that he said, he closes with something as simple as that. Uh, And we'll deal with that and we'll take that into mind. But verse 18, we're going to read from verse 18 uh, through verse 21. (laughs) We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, And the whole world lieth in wickedness. Oh, don't you know that today? The whole world lieth in wickedness. And we think we live in the worst day ever. You know what? John recognized it. That the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an an understanding that we may know him that is true. uh, And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Father, would you bless us? Or we look to your word. We want you to help us, Lord, because we're not able for it. Uh, Lord, <clears throat> we have needs and we have burdens. And Lord, oftentimes the last place we look to is you for the answer to our problems. And Lord, we can fritter away so much of our lives, Lord, searching uh, for things that aren't there, things that can't satisfy for blessings that never will be. When Lord... We are in the greatest blessing of all. We are in you. Now, Lord, would you help us as we look to your word to realize and to lay hold upon truth, and, Lord, that it might make a difference in our hearts and our lives, Lord, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, as we look at this epistle, uh, we've got three we knows coming up. We know three things, right? The first thing that we know is we know our position. Uh, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. So we know some things, that, that, that are, or at least we ought to know some things. Have you ever found that you look at Scripture, what Scripture says, and it tells you something about yourself that is true, because the Scripture says it, but you're not actually aware of you're not actually aware of these things as being true. So let's go through them for a second here, uh, these things that we know. First thing that we know is we know that we're free from sin, right? <clears throat> we know <clears throat> that uh, he, whosoever is born of God sinneth not. We're free from sin. Now, do you feel like that today? I mean, <clears throat> have you struggled with sin in this past week and you're saying, yeah, well, I know that's what the Bible says, but you know, pastor, the truth is in my life, uh, that's just not true. Uh, have you struggled with sin this week that, 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 is, that has come between you and God and you know it and maybe you even grieve over it and you think, oh, I wish that were the reality for my life, but it just doesn't seem to be. Well, you know, the scripture is always true. 
And when you come up against an experience in your life that is different from what the Scripture says, the Scripture's true and you're not. And you've got to reconcile your life with what the Scripture says. Right? Now, <clears throat> it says that whosoever is born of God uh, sinneth not, and he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. And then we'll look at another point that the wicked one touch him not. How are you doing in this area of sin? How are you doing in this area of sin? And <clears throat> be careful about the rationalizations. Be careful about the comparisons. Remember before you were saved, you were a good guy, you were a nice woman. Why? Because there were several people that were worse than you that you knew. And that, what you did was, you know, you compared yourself uh, with them, and because they were much worse than you, you were okay. Right? Well, it's not like that. See, the reality is, the truth is, that if you want to compare yourself with anyone, you've got to compare yourself with God, and then we all fall far short. You know, we just don't make it. We just don't, don't have it. And the, the rationalizations, you know, that, that go around, well, you know what, you're not perfect. Well, you know, the reality is everybody sins. And the reality is, you know, that God doesn't expect perfection from you and he understands and all the rest. And while there's a truth in there, there's also a lie as well. Right? The truth is that God loves you and he'll forgive anything you do if you come to him. But the lie is that's just the way it is. There's no option for me. I just got to go on, plodding through life, sinning and doing uh, these things because that's just the way it is because you know what? Uh, uh, nobody gets to live differently. That's just the way it is. No. Do you know if we were to go to Romans chapter 6 today, we could open up a glorious truth. Right? And the truth is this, that not only when, you, when Jesus Christ died for you, not only did he break the, 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 the penalty of sin in your life, in other words, you're not going to hell because Jesus died for you, but he broke the power of sin in your life. That's what Romans chapter 6 is all about. It's the freedom chapter. It shows you how that because you're in Christ, the power of sin is broken in your life, and you're not under uh, the law, <clears throat> you know, because you're under grace. Your life is changed. You don't have to sin. You don't have to do wrong anymore because you've got grace. You've got power, God's power available to you in your life. Now, what we see oftentimes is people using grace as an excuse for sin. Right? In other words, okay, so God loves me and he cares for me and he forgives me anything. So you know what? doesn't matter what I do. I can, I, I can get away with it. And, you know, we wouldn't buy into that fully. Probably nobody buys into that fully, you know, <clears throat> uh, but sometimes we buy into it a little bit, don't we? Well, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. And because we're not going to be perfect and we know we're not going to be perfect, what happens for us is we end up continuing in sin. Now, that affects us in so many ways. That affects our lives in so many ways. I mean, it certainly, we'll look at it in a second, it gives the enemy an angle. It gives the enemy a stick to beat you with, and he's good at beating you with sticks. Certainly it does that. But do you know the worst thing it puts between you and your Heavenly Father? Because He's a holy God. And He hates sin. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be clean. He doesn't hate you. He'll never hate you. He loves you, but He hates sin. And He doesn't want you involved in it. He doesn't want you accepting it. But if you accept it, if you think there's nothing better, you're likely to live your Christian life where you're just kind of, you know, you're saved. You're going to heaven. Praise God. But man, it's miserable. Because the most miserable people in the world are Christians who are not walking with God. They are the most, that the world doesn't satisfy them and God doesn't satisfy them. Nothing satisfies them. They're miserable. And you know you've probably been there at some point. Right? But when you decide, no, there's more. There's more and I'm going to have it, something happens for you. 
Something, but you, you got to get that in your guts. You got to get to the place where there's more. I read a story this week, or listened to a story this week, but <clears throat> a Chinese story. Chinese, Chinese stories are fascinating because Chinese people uh, talk in pictures. Right? Their language is very pictorial, but also they express things in pictures. So the stories are interesting. But anyway, story about this frog. This frog who lived in a well. And the frog lived in the well, and he was the king of the well. It was his well, uh, and he was a nice fat frog because all the food in the well was his. Any flies that happened to come into his well were his. Anything that grew in his well was his. You know what? He was a fat frog. He was a happy frog. He was doing well. Uh, he knew nothing outside his well. He'd been born there. He lived in his well, uh, and um, he was the king. Well, one day there's a splash uh, in his well, and it's another frog. And a frog has fallen into his well, and here he is, and he is very concerned about this other frog that's come into his well. Uh, you know, uh, he, he thinks this frog wants to take over my well. He wants to be the king of my well, and he's not getting it. And he's not going to get it without a fight. And um, so he asked the frog, what are you doing here? And the frog says, oh, listen, don't have, don't have any misconceptions. I'm not here because I chose to be here. I fell in here. <laughs> this is not my choice. So, so he kind of settles down. He realizes the frog is not trying to take him over. So he, he wants to know about the frog, and he starts asking him questions. And uh, they get to talking uh, about the world outside, the well. And the frog in the well says to the frog from the outside, <clears throat> listen, um, are, are, are there bigger waters than my well here? Is, is there anything out there that, 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 that's bigger uh, than my well? Because, you know, he's the king of the well. He thought it was the biggest thing uh, in the world. And um, the frog from outside the well laughs. And he, and he says, yeah, the ocean's bigger. It, it can't be. No, the ocean's bigger. Really, it's bigger. He's, it's thousands of times bigger than your well. And so the frog in the well decides, no, you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to get me out of my well so I can go and see the sea, and he's going to take over the well. So no way, he's not having any of it. And immediately, you know, he says, no way, you're not getting me out of my well. There's absolutely no way. And, um, you know, so the, the frog tries to reason with him. He can't do it. So finally he gets, he, 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 he gets out of the well again. And, you know, he decides, you know what, there's no point in reasoning with him. He just is not listening. But the other point, the reason I use that though for us is, you know, sometimes we think what we've got of God is all there is to have. And there's an ocean of God to have. There's an ocean of God. Sometimes we think, you know what, listen, this is just the way it is. You know what, everybody else sins and I sin and, you know, that's just the way it is. There's nothing bigger than my life. There's nothing broader than my life. There's no more of God to be had. Yeah, there is. There's an ocean. There's an ocean. Uh, each one of us lives in our own little well in that sense, but you've got to be willing to step out of your little well and realize there's more. Now, you can't step out of it without dealing with sin. And you can't deal with sin without coming to the place where you accept the truth uh, of Romans chapter 6 and God's power to deal with your sin. But there's an ocean of God for you to enjoy. Don't spend your time living in a well and thinking this is the only thing. You know, <clears throat> don't be with the, with the other well lovers who think this is the only thing. Get recognize there is an ocean of God to enjoy. And it's between you and him. But you know what? Without holiness, no man shall see God. You're not going to have a relationship with God apart from holiness. And Romans chapter 6 provides for it. It's not your power. It's what Jesus did on the cross. And we are free from sin because of what Jesus did. I love what John Van Gelderen said. He said <clears throat> that the believer is not somebody who's supposed to be sinning, but from time to time surprised with when they get it right. 
the believer is some, somebody who's supposed to live without sin and from time to time get surprised when they succumb to something and do wrong. There's a difference there. Don't live as though sin is the norm. That's not what God wants you to do. You're living way below where God would have you to live if that's what you're doing. God wants you to live free from sin. That's what he says, and he says it again and again and again, that we're free from sin. Yes, you're going to fail, but you know what? It ought not to be the accepted experience of your life. I'm just going to fail. No, 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 no. God has made it so that you can be free from sin. Now, the next one, though, because this first one and the second one are tied together. You're also free from Satan's touch. Look what the, the verse says this. Uh, uh, and he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, that's keeping himself holy, that the wicked one touch him not. Do you know that when Jesus <clears throat> um, <clears throat> was talking to the guys as he, as he was going to the cross, uh, he said, And the wicked one cometh, and he hath nothing in me. I always look at that and I think, Oh, that would be so good, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be just so good? Imagine, imagine our guys that are over in Rio at the moment, the, the um, Olympics committee, they're over in Rio at the moment. Uh, imagine they knocked on your hotel room door and they said to you, we need you to come down to the station. We've got some questions to ask you about the tickets that were sold. Well, imagine you're standing there uh, in your hotel room and you know in your heart, I have nothing to do with this at all. I know nothing about it. I had nothing to do with this. Then you know what? You know, those guys have nothing in you and you have nothing to fear Nothing to be worried. They have no power over you. But you know what happens for the believer very often? Because we don't exercise the freedom, the holiness that Romans chapter 6 gives us, because we don't exercise the free from sin, the, the enemy has something on us. And when he comes knocking at your door, you go, oh no, he's got me. Because I did this, and I did that, and I did the other, and those things are not right between me and God. And that's what happens. The enemy gets an angle on us, because we don't keep ourselves clean and right with God. And, and listen, he's good at it. He'll help you sin and then he'll use it against you. Isn't that mean? Don't expect anything but meanness from the enemy. Don't expect, you know, uh, love. Don't expect care. Don't expect him ever to give you an inch. He won't. He's going to lead you into sin and then he's going to take and he's going to use it uh, against you. <clears throat> but you know, 1 John 4, verse 4, just a uh, couple of chapters, uh, the chapter before says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You see, you can live holy, and you can live without Satan touching you. You can live without Satan having anything on you. Listen, when you sin and confess it, what does God do? He forgives it. And he says, it's gone. History. If you confess it to God the second time, you know, I think it's reasonable for us to say, well, he would say to you, what's in? I've just forgiven that. It's gone. It's done. It's dealt with. Now, you know what? The enemy won't give it up that easy. The enemy will like to, likes to remind you about the fact that you've done something wrong. Uh, and even though it's been forgiven, he, he, he won't care. He'll just want to use it against you anyway. But once it's forgiven, it's done. It's under the blood, Satan, get lost. And he has to go at that point. But you need to keep yourself clean. Now, what happens when you don't keep yourself clean uh, and Satan takes the advantage? Well, he will use the advantage to push you as far as he possibly can. As far from God and as far into ruin as he possibly can. Every time. 
If you and I only understood who we're up against, we wouldn't give them that much advantage in our lives. We would stay clean and stay close because we desperately need it. You know, if, if, if we had lions roaming about in the streets, you know what, you'd, you, you'd be careful going to your car, wouldn't you? You'd be looking up the road and you'd be looking down the road and some of you'd probably be living in the church if there were lions roaming around in the streets. You'd never go home. Right? Because, you know, we'd be careful because those th- things are dangerous. Well, he's a spiritual lion, the Bible says, and he is out there. So we need to be careful lest he gets an advantage over us. You see, we know our position, we're free from sin and we're free from Satan's touch as long as we stay close to him. And then we're free from the world's power. You see, uh, the world has a huge pull and has huge power and the system wants to run things and it wants to run everybody and it wants to run you and it wants to run me. It just does. But you know what? Because of Jesus... I'm free from its power. Now, what does it mean to be free? Let's think about this thought for a second. I'm not governed by it. I'm not ruled by it. Now, I'm not talking about the laws. I'm talking about the world, the system that wants to suck you in and use you and use your life. I'm free from it. I'm not ruled by it. I don't have to be ruled by it. Jesus said this. He said in John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now now think about it for a second. Jesus says you can have peace in the world. Do you know that Jesus is absolutely amazing? I was going to say incredible, but that's not true. Uh, He is credible, very credible. Uh, Jesus is absolutely amazing. Now how is he amazing? It's just in so many ways. Let me just give you one example. Uh, he is amazing in that when they took him and accused him falsely and beat him and sent him to the Romans to be judged and cried out for his blood and had him scourged and crowned with thorns and abused in all those awful ways, he never lost his peace. He, they, they, he never lost his peace. Never once does he react like you and I would react. If he did, boy, would they have been in trouble. He never loses his peace. Never. You know what? <clears throat> you and I don't have to lose our peace. Don't we lose our peace over so many things? Doesn't the world get under our skin? Don't people get under our skin and issues get under our skin and we lose our peace? And we forget the reality. He's in charge. The Lord is at hand, Philippians 4 tells us. And because he's at hand, it's all under control. It's never going to get loose and do the damage the world would like to do in your life. You have, can have peace. No matter what's going on in your life, you can have peace. But you've got to understand, you're free from the world's power because you're in him. Because he's there. And that's got, that's got to be the overriding dominant in your life. He's here. He's in my life. I'm in him. It's real. You know, Christianity is not a religion where you learn the rules and you go out and do your best to live the rules. Christianity is a person that lives within you. And you follow him and he goes with you everywhere.
and you know his presence and his power. It's not about keeping the rules. It's about keeping right with the person. It's about a relationship. Walk with him. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's about enjoying him, that relationship with him. Don't let the world steal it from you. Don't let the world take away your peace. Don't let the world stop you from enjoying what you have in him. So first of all, we know our position. Secondly, we know our privilege. Look at verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and that we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. There's a lot of truth in that verse. There's a lot of truth for us to work our way through. Right? <clears throat> Do you know that as a believer, as a child of God, you have received spiritual understanding? You, have actually, you understand things. First Peter says the angels wanted to understand them, but couldn't understand them. First <clears throat> uh, Peter 1 verse 12, uh, the angels looked into the things of salvation. They wanted to understand. They didn't understand them. But you know, you understand them. You've been there. You've been through the reality of it. You understand what God did in order to save you. Do you realize that, that, that you have understanding? But do, do you know the understanding you have? You've been brought into the family, and he's letting you in on the secrets of how the whole thing goes, how the whole thing's happen, how the whole thing happens, how it works. Do you know, you can go down to Trinity College Dublin, and you can get the... Uh, the the, the sharpest professor down there, the guy who has, you know, all the list of, na- uh, the, the list of, of accomplishments and, and degrees and so on behind his name, and you can talk to him, and if he's not saved, you won't understand half you, what you understand. See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord just doesn't give you a little bit of wisdom. The fear of the Lord puts you in the vein of wisdom. And the problem is that apart from God, all the wisdom of the world is rubbish foolishness. It's foolishness. Ultimately, it ends up in foolishness. You can know a lot of stuff, but if you don't know him, you don't know. Because the foundation of the whole thing is God. That's the, he's the foundation of the whole thing. Everything comes. You're never going to understand anything apart from understanding him, and you're in. You're in. He says, I've given it to you. Ephesians 1.9 says, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. He made known unto you the mystery of his will. Now, let me, let me talk to you a little bit about it. Uh, let me read some other verses, and I'll talk to you about it for a second. Right? Ephesians one seventeen says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Do you know that if you had to pick a field of study in the world to study that would be the most beneficial and the most satisfying, if you had to pick any field of study, the field of study is going to be the word of God and the things of God. Because that's what makes life work. Now, here's the thing. You, as a child of God, you may say, well, you know, pastor, really my education was not up to much. I, did. I spent more days out of school uh, <clears throat> on the hop than I spent in school, and, you know, I didn't learn all the things I was supposed to learn. And I, I, I appreciate that for some people, this mystery of his will and his understanding is great, but, you know, for me, I don't think I could ever understand things like that. You're wrong. 
you are wrong because you're in the family. And this is family business he's talking about. And he's brought you in so that you can understand these things. And he wants you to understand the mystery of his will. And you know, if I were to talk to you, if you're saved today, and I were to talk to you about the mystery of his will, you know, we could converse back and forth about salvation. And you know what your understanding of it is quite a lot. Now, you wouldn't want to go on a TV show and explain to everybody in the, um, in the audience all about salvation and the intricacies of predestination and, and all this. You wouldn't want to do that because you're not confident to do that. But when it comes to you understanding salvation, you know. God loved you. You were a sinner. You deserved help. But he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And he did. And one day you received it. And now you know him. And you can't prove it, and you can't show it, and you can't demonstrate it to them, but you know. You know for sure you're his and you're going to heaven. And you know what? You understand the mystery of his will. But do you realize there's more? Do you realize there's more to know? I'm 30 years saved. In about 30 years. Yeah, I'm 30 years saved this this, this year, right? Um, You know, and every year I've learned more. Every year I've come to understand more of him. Every year I've come to know him a little bit better. And I expect that if I get another 30 years, I'll continue to grow to know him more, a little bit better every year. And it's, it's, it's quite an amazing thing. How have I gotten to it? Well, I've studied the Bible. But you know what? My study of the Bible has not yielded the vast majority of my understanding of him. His working in my life is what yields it. God working in your life is what yields your understanding of him. And you know, what I find is he's working things in my life and I'm seeing them in scripture. And aren't you too? By the way, don't miss the scripture part of it. You know, don't, don't miss the scripture part of it. Listen, get all you can of God. You may never get to go to Bible college. You don't need to. You may never get to go to university. You don't need to. If you take this book and become a scholar of this book and spend your time reading and studying and understanding the God of this book, you know what? Uh, You'll be one of the wisest people on the planet because this is the only place that wisdom is found. It's found in this book. But you can get to know, and you can continue to grow and to understand him for the rest of your life. And there's always something new. You know what? You never get tired of him. And he never gets tired of you. The more time you spend with him, the more you want. The more you get to know him, the more he reveals. The more you draw nigh to him, the more he draws nigh to you. I'm telling you, God brought us into something so rich and so deep that we we as human beings can hardly fathom it. But you know what? What's happening is he's working in your heart. He's working in your life. You're growing. You're getting to know him better. You're getting deeper in him. And it goes on for life. You know what? God's given you a privilege. He's given you a privilege of knowing, of understanding. Secondly, though, second part of that privilege is, First, we've received spiritual understanding. The second part is we know the true God. 
Now think about it. Do you know that people all over the world have worshipped a god, thinking it was the god, and oftentimes it was not a god at all. You know, there's all kinds of differences out there, and there's all kinds of uh, foolishness out there, because we know, we talked about it, the enemy has sown all kinds of uh, false uh, religions and false thinking out there as far as God is concerned. But you get to know the true God. You get to know the God who is God. You get to, to know the God who is the true God. And do you, do you, do you understand that <clears throat> that's the most important, the most wonderful, and the wisest thing you could spend your life doing? Do you understand this? Let, let, let me read you what God says in, in Jeremiah 9.23. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. You know, you could be wise. You could, you could, you could be a very wise person. Here. God says, don't glory in that. Don't glory in your wisdom. Uh, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. You, you, I mean, you could be able to bench press 350 pounds and you say, man, I'm strong. I, am not, I can do it. God says, don't glory in your strength. Don't glory in your strength. <clears throat> um, uh, let not the rich man glory in his riches. You could have so much money that you could buy a house for everybody in this room. And God says, don't glory in that. Don't let that be what you glory in. <clears throat> glory in. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. Do you know what the glory of a man is? To understand and know God. That's the glory of a man. That's the most important thing you could spend your time doing. Well, I realize you've got a lot you've got to do. I realize it's a busy world out there. But do you know what the glory of a man is? To understand and know him. To, to grow in this relationship with him. To understand him. <clears throat> but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. That I am the Lord, which exercised loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things do I delight, saith the Lord. Now, what does God say? He says, you know what? When you get to know me, and you understand that I'm, I'm the God that exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. By the way, do you think God picked those randomly? Loving kindness, the idea of mercy, judgment, and righteousness. Do you know that's who our God is? He is full of mercy, but he's also justice and righteousness. He didn't sacrifice like so many people think today. He sacrificed judgment and, judgment and righteousness because he, he went on a love binge uh, in, in the church age. You know, he didn't sacrifice anything about himself. He didn't change. He loves us, but he exercises judgment and righteousness, and he says, get to know me, understand me, learn about me. Grow in your relationship with me. Because I delight in that. You know, God delights in that. God delights in it that when you come to know, he delights when you come to uh, know about, about who he is. And, you know, and that's open to you. That's open to you. You see, you've got rich privileges. You've got a privilege of having received spiritual understanding. It was just given to you. You received it the moment you got saved. And based on that understanding, you know the true God. And you can continue to grow and to understand Him more and to develop this relationship with Him. 
And you say, where, where do I start, Pastor? I'll tell you what you do. This afternoon when you go home, get some time. Go sit with your Bible somewhere and say, Lord, I want to know you. Lord, I want to know you. Lord, would you help me? And you know what God would say? Sure. I'd be glad to help. Because God wants to know you more than you want to know him. In a sense, God's waiting for you to come to that place. And I can tell you by personal testimony, you know what? He's faithful. I'm not faithful, but he's faithful. He continues it on. He continues to teach. He continues. When, he, when you stray, he'll draw you back. When you get it wrong, he said, let me fix that. <clears throat> he, he, he will continue with you in this relationship for as long as you want to walk with him. And that's the glory of man. I don't know what you think the glory in your life is, but the glory in your life is your relationship with him. That's what God says. And he knows, doesn't he? He knows uh, the answers. He knows what's right. And then <clears throat> Paul's closing. Uh, <clears throat> so, sorry, one last thing. We are in Jesus Christ, the source of eternal life. We're in him. <clears throat> you know, so many times the Bible tells us uh, that we're in Christ, that, that Christ is in us. It's a fascinating study. Do in Christ and, <clears throat> uh, and in us. And you'll, you'll find all these verses that talk about us being in him. You see, when God saved you, he didn't kind of put a stamp on your forehead that said saved and say, see you later. He came to dwell. He came to live with you and he put you in him. So this relationship that we're talking about, you know what? It's there. It's real because you have him. You have the spirit of God. <clears throat> and then he closes, don't worship idols. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Now, I'm sure you don't, I certainly hope you don't, have a little idol of anything in your home, a statue to some saint or a statue to some a holy person uh, in your home that you worship. I hope you don't do that. That's, that's, that's wrong. That's breaking the commandments. Nobody should do that, right? <clears throat> I hope you don't do that. But you know what? <clears throat> that's not the beginning and end of idols. Here's, here's what an idol is. An idol is anything in your life that's more important to you than God. That's an idol. And while we don't have the statue deal going on, very often we do have things that are more important than God. Now, what's the problem with an idol in your life? The problem with an idol in your life is this. The idol in your life will remove you from the presence of God every time. Every single time. The idol will remove you. God gives us the illustration uh, you know, of a marriage. And you know, when a third person comes into the marriage, what happens with the third person in the marriage is there's a break in the relationship. That's just the way it goes. Uh, you know, there's a break, there's a problem in the relationship when a third person comes into the marriage. And God says it's the same with him and idols. You bring somebody else into your marriage with God and you're going to have one mightily offended God. You're going to have somebody, listen, not that he stops loving you, he never stops loving us, right? But you know what? He shuts down. He's there, but you know what? The relationship's not going to be going very well. The relationship's going to be in bad shape, in poor shape. Because, and, what, and what he'll do is he'll say to you, that's the problem there, deal with that. Now, what could an idol be? Let me just throw out something. Sin can be an idol, can't it? If you say, you know what, I got the sin in my life and I have to do the sin because this is the way I've always done it and I need to do the sin. It's the only thing that makes me happy and you don't understand it. I have to do it. What you've just done is you've made an idol. You're saying your sin 
is more important to you than the living God. That's an idol. You've made it more important than him. Now, listen, you can come and see, you can say to him, Lord, I want rid of it. I'm not sure how, and I don't think I have the strength. You can come to him. And listen, that's not you making an idol of it. That's you coming looking for help. But when you justify it and say, there's no way around it, I have to do it, what you've just done is you've made an idol in your life. What about the world? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Oh, you know what? You can love the world, can't you? Man, what can be fun, can't it? There's all kinds of fun available to you in the world. There's, there's all kinds of pleasure. You know, there's all kinds of uh, <clears throat> things you can look at and enjoy. There's, there's, there's all kinds of pride you can have. There's all kinds of things in this world. And you can make some part of it more important to you than him. Well, yeah, I want God, but. And you've just made yourself an idol. That's going to put between you and God. That's just the way it is. <clears throat> what about pride? Aren't we proud creatures? Aren't we proud creatures? Aren't we proud, independent creatures? We're going to go at our own way and do it our own, do our own thing. Don't, don't, don't we, don't, don't we look down on others because you know what? We're so, we're so fabulous and we got it together. And we look down on others. By the way, that's why you look down on others. You know, <clears throat> it's not because you're superior. It's because you think you're fabulous and you're wonderful. And just ask somebody close, close to you how wonderful you are. All right, somebody that would be honest to you. You know, pride, pride for a believer is absolutely ridiculous. Because here, here I am, I stand before you this morning, right? I'm David O'Gorman. Uh, why am I here? Well, I'm here because 2,000 years ago, I was in such bad shape. I, I was going to be born, I was going to live in sin, and I was going to go to hell that a man had to die and pay the price on a cross for my sin. It was the only hope for, and listen, I am here today because he did. Right? Otherwise, I would have been better off never to have been born. Same is true for you. Because you'd be better off not to be born than to be born, live your life, and go to hell. <clears throat> and, you know, Listen, what have I got to be proud of? What could I possibly be proud of? What could you be proud of? What makes you better than another? If you're better than somebody else, isn't it just because that's what you were given? But you know what happens to your pride? Your pride comes between you and God. It's an idol. You make yourself an idol in your pride. It comes between you and God. And, and God looks at you and God says, Oh, where do you get off? I gave you that anyway. So what are you talking about? What have you got that you were not given? And if you were given it, then why do you boast as though you had done it yourself? You know, what makes you better than somebody else? You know, the Bible says the six things that God hates, and then he throws in one, one extra for good measure, right? Six things that the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination for him. What's the first thing he names? Pride. Do you know the number re one reason people are going to be in hell? Pride. I, I don't need that. And probably everybody in this room that is saved had that reaction at some point. I don't need that. I'm a good person. I'm okay. And you know, unless you got over your pride and said, yeah, you know what? I stink. I do need that. You, you can't get saved. You know, all of us need salvation. None of us are good enough. But you know what, what, what happens for believers? Believers let the pride rule their lives. They won't give in. They won't yield. They'll consistently look down on other people. They'll think they're better and so on. And they don't realize that what's happening is they're putting between themselves and God. That God hates pride. And you know, God loves us. 
That's good. When it comes to pride, that may not be so good. Because when God loves you and he sees something in you that's going to be a problem, sooner or later he's going to deal with it. Amen? You've been there, haven't you? Sooner or later God says, that's it. Okay, we're going to deal with this thing now. And I mean, when God decides to deal with something, he is ruthless in love. You and I don't have God's guts. Right? You and I don't have God's guts when it comes to dealing with stuff. God, he, he just doesn't swerve. He doesn't change. He says, no, you're my child. I want this straightened out. You need this straightened out. We're going to deal with it. And he'll deal with it until it gets straightened out. Now, you know what would be good for us if we dealt with pride before God did? <clears throat> Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. Recognize who you are. And by the way, Here's what you'll do. You'll recognize who you are before God, and then you go out and you'll be proud of other people. You haven't really done it. You haven't done it. You see, First uh, John is telling us all the time that <clears throat> the reflection of your relationship with God is going to be demonstrated in others, in people. So when you're proud of other people, you're so proud. You need to go back and get it dealt with because it needs to be dealt with. Pride will put between you and God. What about Relationships. Can you make a relationship more important than God? Yeah, you can. Somebody you're willing to do wrong to please because you want to please them more than you want to please God. They're an idol. And by the way, <clears throat> you know what? All the idols eventually come down. Every one of them will eventually fail you. Every one of them will eventually fail you. God takes personal issue with idols, and he will let the idol fall. The thing that you make an idol of, God will let it fall because, you know, they're just flesh and blood. You know, <clears throat> all of us are just flesh and blood. You can't make a relationship an idol. Listen, there's a whole bunch of other stuff, but here's the key thought for you. Don't let anything come between you and God because that's what your life's about. That's why you're on this planet. That's the only way you're going to be satisfied or enjoy life. Anything that comes between you and him needs to be gotten out of your life. If you can't put it in its right place, get rid of it. Don't let something in your life. Because if you don't, ultimately the God who loves you will. He will remove it from your life. Better for you to judge yourself than for you to have to have him come in and step in and judge you. Judge you. Deal with those things in your life. See, God wants you to, actually, to recognize, listen, I am the source of everything. I am all you need. I will give you all you need. I will take care of you and I will bless you. But it's me that does it. And when you say, yeah, well, I need you, but I need also, I need this as well. What happens is you make an idol and God says, no, we're not doing it that way. We're not doing it that way. You know, God said to Israel on several occasions, he said, okay, go. See, see how your idols look after you. Go on. Go your own way. Have your own thing. Isn't that what he says in, in Romans? Uh, Romans chapter, okay. God gave them up. Okay, go, see, do your own thing, have it your own way, see how well it works out. That's the last thing you want to hear from God. You want to need to recognize, I need thee every hour. There's never a day coming when I won't need you. Lord, protect me from letting anything come between you and I. Lord, protect me, remove anything that might come between us. And you know what? God's interested in that. God is interested in that. <clears throat> and that's how John closed his epistle. He says, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from anything that stands between you and God.
You see, you are richly blessed. No, it's not in the bank. You are richly blessed. How? You have an understanding of Him. You've been brought into the mysteries. And He says, don't let anything come between us that would spoil the glory of your life. If there's anything, deal with it. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. And thank you, Lord, for this epistle, Lord, and all the sweetness and all the love that comes through it and all the challenge. Lord, we love you today. And Lord, I believe everybody in this room that's saved knows that you are the one that satisfies. And yet, Lord, there, <clears throat> there's, there's an opposing heart in us that very often pulls us a different direction and has us want other things that we think might satisfy And Lord, we can be foolish no matter how many times we've tried to be satisfied in the world or in other things. We can go back again and try again. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you step into hearts right now and deal with those, Lord, that have something today that stands between them and you? And oh, Lord, may it be taken away, may it be rejected, may it be a deal done. And Lord, for those today that don't know you as Savior, Lord, may today be the day when they cry out to you. May today be the day when they come to the place or where they recognize their sin and they recognize that you sent your son to be a savior and they cry out to you and, oh, Lord, uh, would you save? Would you do that mighty work? Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, we're looking to you and asking you to work in our hearts in these moments. Just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed and just do business with God right now between you and him. Just talk to him. Don't, don't let the moment pass when the Spirit of God is kind enough to step down from heaven and to speak clearly to you. Oh, listen, don't let the moment pass. Just speak to him, do business with him. Just before we close, let me ask you one question. Anybody here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I want to be saved. I want to know how I can be sure I'm going to heaven. Would you just lift your hand so I can pray for you and I'll have somebody talk to you later on. Just lift your hand. Anybody here, I want to be saved. Pastor, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus Christ is my Savior. I want to begin this relationship. Would you just put your hand up quickly and put it down again? Anybody at all? Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for being so kind and so gracious as to speak to us this morning. Lord, would you bless us and help us, Lord, as we go our ways today, uh, that we might walk with you and take you with us everywhere and speak with you and converse with you and grow in you and come to know the riches of this relationship you've given us. In Jesus' precious name, amen.